is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is Father Michael White of the Church of the Nativity in Timonium, Maryland, one of the authors of the new book from Ave Maria Press, Rebuilt Faith. Father Michael White is pastor of Church of the Nativity and co-founder of Rebuilt Parish, an organization designed to rebuild parishes for growth and health. His co-author is Tom Corcoran, who has served in a variety of roles in parish ministry and is currently lay associate minister to the pastor at Nativity. In 2023, they were together honored by Pope Francis with the Cross Pro Ecclesia et Pontifice for outstanding service to the church and to the Pope. Welcome to the show, Father Michael. Thanks, Chris. Delighted to be with you again. Yes. So Rebuild Parish was started about 10 years ago with the book Rebuilt, Awakening the Faithful, Reaching the Lost, and Making Church Matter. It's been followed by other books, workbooks, a podcast, and all sorts of other resources for parishes. What has been the response to Rebuilt? I don't know if you call it a philosophy, a method, a viewpoint, a movement, but what's the response been and how many parishes are engaged in Rebuilt now? Well, the response to the book was just amazing. It was a phenomenon really, that took us completely by surprise and led to these other uh, developments and resources um, that have just kind of um, occurred to us as we have been working with parishes. We're working with parishes across the country currently, um, and hundreds of parishes are involved in the rebuild. I think you could say movement, uh-huh. the rebuild movement. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 the book was so successful at first, and you're, you're like, oh, people really want to know how to work with this stuff. Let, what can we give them to help them implement this? Right. For the most part, the offerings from Rebuilt have been addressed to parish leaders, though. You know, with this new book, Rebuilt Faith, a handbook for skeptical Catholics, you're reaching out directly to individuals. Who are you hoping to reach with this book? Well, we're hoping to reach uh, lifelong Catholics and the people in the pews, as well as all those people who have grown skeptical or bored with their faith. You know, the disruption caused by uh, the collective COVID experience accelerated an already well-established pattern of Catholics drifting away from their faith. And I think any pastor you talk to would reflect that that experience. The, the cafeteria Catholicism of a past generation has given way to a kind of bored Catholicism, a kind of absent Catholicism. Many people that were in the pews just out of habit or real devotion and piety are no longer there. And many question their need for any kind of association with an organized religion at all. That's kind of the rise of the nuns, the the no religious affiliation that we're seeing in a lot of surveys. Exactly. So we thought we would write a book that would be addressed to skeptical Catholics, as we call them. And guess what? We're all skeptical. The apostles were skeptical at the resurrection. Mm -hmm. 
we're all skeptical from time to time. And we all have family members, loved ones, friends who are absent these days from the Catholic Church. And that hurts our hearts as practicing Catholics. Mm-hmm. What are the responses to the to these kinds of things? You talked about people being bored. You talked about uh, people being just just kind of disengaged. They're they're busy with other things in their lives. Um, I think there's a there's a part in the book where you actually talk about that masses are boring these days, and and that doesn't inspire people to come to church. But what are some of the other things, and how do you then respond to try to get people to come back in the doors? Well, I think I think it's true that people can oftentimes be bored with the weekend experience at their parish, not to be critical of anybody's methods or approaches to liturgy, but frankly, it can be a, a boring and bad experience in, in many places that leaves people feeling like they're they've got better things to do on a Sunday morning, whether it's kids sports or uh, just leisure activities or just hanging out and having free time. Mm-hmm. I think beyond though a boring and bad weekend experience at parish, the other uh, thing, the other element that's absent is engagement, really getting the people up out of the pews and engaged actively in their faith. And that's what we talk about um, in the book. I, I recall a, a Sister Marianne Walsh, who was at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, sure. but had been at Catholic News Service before that. She said she wanted to rewrite uh, that song, sing a new song unto the Lord. She wanted to write it as sing an old song unto the Lord. Let the Lord be bored as we are bored. You know, <laughs> she just she was reflecting on the fact that we weren't doing a really good job of engaging people. What are some of the things you find that really do help people get engaged? So we talk about steps. Um, actually, it's an acronym, but um, it's also just a very helpful uh, way to talk about what we believe disciples need to do in terms of engagement to really be growing in their faith. Because to get beyond the skepticism and to get beyond the boredom, um, you've got to be engaged in your faith. And we have to take responsibility for that personally, but we have to take responsibility for that as a parish community too. So the steps briefly are serve in mission or ministry, tithe or give, engage in small faith sharing groups, practice prayer and the sacraments, and share your faith. We think those five elements basically sum up uh, a whole and healthy discipleship path. It's really going to take people from bored or skeptical kind of neglect of their faith into real active engagement that's fruitful, that's that's healthy, and that's growing the faith for others. Mm-hmm. You talk about those steps for, your, for yourself, for your own parish at Nativity. Um, I would imagine that those people, those parishes that are that are using this method, who are kind of engaged with rebuilt, they don't all look like nativity. So those steps can be different at each parish. We still want to do all of those S-T-E-P-S elements, but they look different at different parishes, don't they? Sure, absolutely. They they do and they must. And that's really part of the the genius of Catholicism is that it can be 
beautifully enculturated in different communities and different uh, periods of history. Mm-hmm. So we talk about small groups, for instance, and at our parish, we have a very deliberate approach to small faith sharing groups. But I know many parishes that have very different kinds of approaches. Um, Lisa Brannick-Meyer's Walking with Purpose is a great example. Mm-hmm. Very different than our approach, but very effective, too. Mm-hmm. And you can do those small groups based on, you know, men, women, people with families, people without families. You can kind of create those groups on whatever whatever the community calls for, right? And now on Zoom. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, we talked a little bit about the fact that the number of people who are just not attending uh, mass or or even not acknowledging any religious affiliation is growing. Why do you think that is? And, and do you see some of them still as searching for God or something bigger? And how do we reach them if they are? Yeah, I think it's 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 built into the human heart by God that we're not going to be at rest until we're at rest with him. So I think that regardless of how people might articulate it or what explanation they might give, they are searching. Uh, they're seekers for the, the living Lord. And um, that they ha- haven't found him in our parish communities oftentimes um, is a clarion call to us to, to do more. Mm-hmm. I I think that's that's why we found such a robust um, response to our rebuild resources is that parish leaders implicitly recognize that the same old way of doing things is just not working. And again, that's not a call to any specific kind of liturgy or liturgical style or musical style or anything like that. It's a call to uh, parishes becoming uh, centers, as our archbishop says, of missionary discipleship. Mm-hmm. And when you start looking at it from that point of view, that each parish can be a place where people come to be nurtured and nourished in their faith, does that help us in that outreach? Because what they're searching for, they can now find. Oh, yeah. I think it it directs our efforts. It gives us focus and and direction. And um, it's, you know, Chris, it's exciting. It's fun to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be here on Sunday morning, uh, this past Sunday, um, a couple of my staff members walked away and said, you know what? That was just really fun. It was just fun to see so many happy people engaged in, in their faith, bringing other people to church. And that's really what we're called to do as missionary disciples. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Father Michael White about the book Rebuilt Faith. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Looking for fun things to do this Christmas season? Parishes throughout the Archdiocese of Baltimore are hosting concerts, crafts, cookie-making workshops, and much more. Here's just a sampling of some upcoming events. 
Catholic Charities presents its annual Christmas festival at the Baltimore Basilica, featuring the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra and the Morgan State University Choir on December 14th at 7.30 p.m. Just two days later, on December 16th, the Baltimore Basilica will host the long-awaited return of maestro Edward Palachek's rendition of Handel's Messiah. Palachek will conduct the Baltimore Basilica Festival Orchestra and Chorus from the harpsichord in what promises to be a special event beginning at 3 p.m. On December 17th at 4 p.m., the St. Louis Concert Chorus, the Orchestra of St. Louis, and guest soloist will perform carols, holiday classics, and contemporary favorites at St. Louis Church in Clarksville. That same day, December 17th at 5 p.m., the Cathedral Choir of the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Homeland will present its candlelit service of lessons and carols. Be sure to check out also the drive-through Christmas display at St. Anne in Hagerstown and live nativities offered at Archbishop Curley High School in Baltimore and Immaculate Heart of Mary in Baynesville. For more information on all of these events and many more, visit catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Merry Christmas from all of us at the Catholic Review. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. By a quirk of the calendar that happens every five or six years, Advent 2023 is the shortest it can be. The fourth week of Advent is only one day, December 24th. As a result, the Catholic faithful have an obligation to attend Mass twice between the afternoon of December 23rd and December 25th to participate in Masses for the fourth Sunday of Advent and for Christmas. According to guidance from the Archdiocese of Baltimore, quote, the obligation to attend Mass for the fourth Sunday of Advent and the Solemnity of Christmas are two separate obligations which cannot be fulfilled by attending one Mass. Those who wait until 4 p.m. or later on Sunday, December 24th, to fulfill their obligation for the fourth Sunday of Advent would need to attend Mass on Christmas Day to fulfill their obligation for the Solemnity of Christmas, end quote. What that boils down to is that Catholics can attend a vigil Mass Saturday, December 23rd, or a Mass on December 24th before 4 p.m. to fulfill the first obligation. Then you would attend a Christmas Eve vigil Mass December 24th or a Christmas Day Mass on December 25th. Therefore, you could fulfill the obligation by attending two Masses on December 24th, one in the morning for the fourth Sunday of Advent, and another after 4 p.m. for Christmas. In other news, the Catholic High School of Baltimore has been named by Baltimore Style Magazine as the best private high school for girls in Baltimore for the second time, marking a significant milestone in the school's 85-year history. To celebrate this achievement, which was based on a public vote, the school organized a surprise celebration December 1st, bringing together the entire school community, including alumni, benefactors, and members of the Board of Trustees. The morning featured performances from various art groups showcasing the talent of visual and performing art students, including a dance company, chorus, and the unique all-girls marching band, 
only the second of its kind in the nation. For more on these and other stories, visit catholicreview.org. I'm Kevin Parks for Catholic Review Media. Here's wishing you a joyous holiday season. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We are back on Catholic Review Radio. This is Chris Gunty, and I'm talking with Father Michael White, one of the co-authors of the book Rebuilt Faith, which has as its subtitle, A Handbook for Skeptical Catholics. As we talked about in the first uh, segment, much of Rebuilt has been aimed at parishes uh, helping in, helping them improve their outreach. But with this book, you've laid out a 40-day plan for a reader to read and reflect. Uh, 40 days kind of reminds us of Lent, but this doesn't have to be done during Lent, right? Why did you come up with this 40-day plan? Why 40? Well, 40 was the number of years the Israelites wandered in the desert uh, in punishment for their infidelity. 40 was the number of days Jesus prayed in the desert preparing for his mission. But 40 is also a, a solid span of time to adopt new habits. And that's really what we're talking about, our uh, growing disciples adapting new habits. So each day of the exercise takes only about 10 minutes to complete. There's um, a daily routine of a portion of the the day the day's reading uh to be read and reflected upon and then some exercise exercises that follow the reading mm -hmm. uh you have a, a each day includes a reading a reflection those kinds of things um there's a different theme for each of the six weeks in the book what are those themes and why is that progression so important so chris the the themes are exactly the steps that we talked about okay so there's um, the first week is an introduction to the whole idea, and then five consecutive weeks that talk about serve and mission or ministry, tithe and give, and really the importance of money in terms of our discipleship. Uh, the next week is about engaging in small groups and cultivating friends in faith to support you in faith. The following week is all about prayer and the sacraments, preeminently, of course, the Eucharist, uh, the source and summit of our Catholic faith. And then the final week is probably the most challenging one for Catholics, all about sharing our faith. For some reason, we as Catholics um, have been reluctant to, to do that. Yeah, you see a lot of, you know, street preachers or... Jehovah's Witnesses out kind of spreading, you know, spreading their tracts and letting people know about that. But Catholics don't do that so much, do we? No, we don't. No. Are you worried at all that people will say, well, you know, you put tithing in there right away as the second the second theme. This is really just all about trying to get money out of people. That's not that's not the way you read that, right? Sure. Well, there's the skeptic. Yes. <laughs> right. So and that's why we're we're treating it right up front. Because um, a skeptical approach to organized religion is it's all about money and they only want money. And let me tell you something, Chris, if you're really interested in amassing money, running a church is not the way to go about it. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. The, the premise for us is that money is the biggest obstacle to your heart. And that's what Jesus taught us. And so we just want to deal with it right up front. 
and be completely honest about it. And we're not afraid to use the word tithe. That's another bad word for Catholics. We avoid that word at all costs. So we just dive right into it. We talk about tithing because the Bible does. Mm-hmm. And the flip side of that is that it it does take money, resources to run a church, to keep the lights on, to, to heat it and do all of those things. But it also takes money to do the kind of ministry that you want to do outside the, the, the walls of the church, right? Sure, of course. And then there's the uh, preeminence of uh, our call to charity and the work of charity in the community. And that takes money, too. Right. Uh, so we we have to be generous with our time, our talent and our treasure. Of course, the money won't mean anything if we're not praying and if we're not you know, uh, and engaging each other. So that's, I think, one of the the unique things about uh, rebuild faith that helps. You know, Father Michael, you opened a new church sanctuary at Church of the Nativity a few years ago. How was that built to call forward people into discipleship in Christ? Well, the church was was built in a slightly um, different style. There are the traditional elements for sure. Um, the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the confessionals, the stations of the cross, the beautiful crucifix. Thank you. Thank you. It's all it's all there. But it's set in a contemporary setting that's meant to be, especially in the entrance area, very accessible to the unchurched. So it creates a comfortable environment, a welcoming environment, uh, an environment of we like to say radical hospitality. That is absolutely correct. I, I cannot tell you I've number of times that I've been up to Nativity and I, I can't get five feet within the door without five or six people welcoming me and saying, I'm glad you're here. Or if I've got a box in my hand, can I help you with that? I mean, it, it's just radical hospitality is, I think, certainly one of the hallmarks there. And it makes people, gives them the feeling, oh, they want me to be here. That's right. <laughs> The number one question a visitor has when they come to your church is, am I welcome here? Mm-hmm. Do they want me here? And if you can address that within the first two to three minutes of their arrival, you've won them over to a hearing. And what they're going to hear is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can't hear the gospel if they're not sure that they're welcome. Yeah. And I've been to other parishes that have been very good about welcoming people. Um, and and it does make a difference. You know, obviously in my line of work, I go to a lot of new parishes that I've never been to before. And to feel welcome as a stranger is an amazing thing. And and so I, that is one thing that your parish does very well. We like to talk about what we call progressive solemnity, that the newcomer is coming into a setting. They're not even sure they're welcome. You make sure that they are and you win a hearing and you bring them closer and closer into the message of the gospel and the mystery of our faith that is the Eucharist so that they can come to know the living Lord in that experience. Yeah, and I think that's one of the strange dichotomies that we face is that people often think of the church, in quotes, as some massive body of people in buildings. But if we go back to the days of the apostles in the early church, uh, these were just individual people following Jesus. 
you know, gathering in small groups, gathering in places and, and worshiping together. Uh, how do you hope your book, Rebuild Faith, brings people back to that personal relationship with Jesus and others in our community and build from there? Well, that, that's why we like to talk about steps, because it is a step-by-step process. And you can take small steps in your journey toward toward the Lord through simple habits. You know, it's just like it's just like anything that's worthwhile in life, whether it's exercise or diet or study or some new discipline. It's a step-by-step process. And that's why we're really happy to be able to put rebuild faith into people's hands. Mm-hmm. Which of course brings us to that question of where can people get the book and information about Rebuild Parish altogether? Rebuild Faith is available on Amazon or anywhere that you buy books, or you can go directly to our publisher, Ave Maria Press at Notre Dame University, and uh, pick up your copy there. It just happens to be on sale these days. There we go. Okay. If you're interested in the Rebuild Parish community, and the resources that we have available for your parishes, please visit Rebuild Parish online. And that's rebuildparish.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Good. Well, one of the things that when you look at this and you you engage people with this, I I, I like the idea of 40 days to, to new habits. Um, they talk about the fact that you need at least 21 days to kind of to get to the point where you know, sometimes I have it, whether it's wearing your seatbelt every time you get in the car, all of those kinds of things. What are you hoping that these, if somebody goes through this after these 40 days, where do you hope they are? I hope that they are active and engaged in the life of their, their parish and they're helping others uh, to take the same, same steps. And when we, we do that, we hope we have a lot more missionary disciples coming out of it. Missionary disciples make missionary disciples. There you go. Well, we have been talking with Father Michael White, one of the authors of the new book, Rebuilt Faith, a handbook for skeptical Catholics from Ave Maria Press. It's available from Ave Maria Press on Amazon and other booksellers, and uh, and you can get it all sorts of places. And as Father Michael says, it is currently on sale uh, during during this Advent season. Thank you so much for being with us today, Father Michael. Thanks, Chris, and blessed Advent to you. Thank you so much. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.